0: Howdy and welcome to the 10-Week Bible Study. This is week eight, day four of our study of Esther. I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and today we're talking about Esther eight, ten through 14. Well, welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs. And before we get started, I want to encourage you to remember to read the book of Esther 10 times in 10 weeks. This really will transform how you encounter the Lord through his word. With that, let's go ahead and pray before we start today. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us, fill our hearts with the knowledge of you today. We want to be fascinated by you and your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. I'll be reading today from the NIV. This is Esther 8, starting in verse 10. Mordecai wrote in the name of King Xerxes, sealed the dispatches with the king's signet ring and sent them by mounted couriers who rode fast horses, especially bred for the king. This is the Pony Express right here. This is, you know, we've got these very fast couriers. We've got an expensive system in place to get these kinds of things out. But we're told right off the bat that Mordecai, he's writing in the name of the king, right? He is taken Haman's job. He is essentially the ad hoc King. He is the, the viceroy of the nation. If you will, he is, he is running things for the King on behalf of the King. The King's like, I'm checked out. I like the wealth. I like the power. I like have everything brought to me, but I don't want to actually have to do anything. I don't want any responsibilities. And so uh, the King, he gets all of the fun with none of the work. Mordecai gets all of the work and, uh, I think he's doing okay. Mordecai's, Mordecai's doing okay at this point as well, but he's doing all the work for the king. And so he seals all of these with the signal ring and they're sending out all of these edicts all over the kingdom. Verse 11. The king's edict granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble and protect themselves to destroy, kill, kill, and annihilate the armed men of any nationality or province who might attack them and their women and children and to plunder the property of their enemies. The day appointed for the Jews to do this in all the provinces of King Xerxes was the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar. Okay, <clears throat> this is such a wild solution to me. And and this is, this I think speaks to just in some ways how inflexible this Persian system is, right? There is no revoking a law that's been passed by the king, not even a bad one, not even a horrible one. And so the solution here is essentially a mini civil war. I mean, that's really the solution that they came up with. And I'm sure Mordecai probably thought long and hard about this, what can we do? If we can't repeal this thing, what's a way that we can override it or undo it or, or find some way around this? And, and what he comes up with is, is he's like, fight back, assemble, arm yourself and fight back. When they come to attack you, be bigger and better, have be more mobilized, And when they try to come kill you, you can kill them and actually not just kill them, but you can wipe them out, right? We're supposed to be wiped out. I mean, we're using the word annihilation here. If they come at you, you go after everything they have. And not only that, after you've killed them, you get to keep whatever was theirs. If they own houses, they're yours. If they had lots of gold, it's yours. If they had lots of livestock or businesses, those things are yours, If those people come after you. Now, as crazy as that sounds, I think there's some brilliance in it. And I imagine the king when... I I don't think that Mordecai is going to do this without telling the king. I mean, Haman did the thing without telling the king. The king was... Even if he did, maybe Haman told the king exactly what he was planning on doing. The king's like, I don't, I don't want to hear about. it. I don't care. And the king throws it out of his mind. I, I imagine Mordecai is thinking, I am going to make sure you understand what I am doing here. And I imagine the king probably saw the brilliance in this as well, because he's he's telling them all, assemble together, get large enough numbers, get everything you have, arm yourself, get prepared. And then when they come after you, not only can you defend yourselves, but you can actually go on the offense against them. Anyone, anyone who comes after you, anyone who even thinks about attacking the Jews, anyone who's even like caught walking around with this mob coming to kill you, you can kill them and take everything they have. Now I think the brilliance in this, again, this, this sounds like, hey, the edict is, since we cannot do the first one, we're just going to declare a civil war in all of these provinces all over the place. That part just sounds insane. But where I think the brilliance of this is, is if you're a rational person, if you are not so overcome with hatred of the Jews, if you read this and hear this, thinks, hmm, the 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 cost of me failing to annihilate the jews is very high i lose my life i lose my family my family probably loses their lives and we lose everything that i've ever worked for if you've got a little business if you've got a shop going on if you've got savings if you've got a you know property all of these things you're going to think twice about partaking in this, this day of Holocaust proclaimed against the Jews. Now that they can fight back and they've been granted all of your stuff, if they win, all of a sudden it's like, eh, I'm not so sure I want to be a part of this. I I don't think it's worth it for me, you know, because before it was a one-sided thing. It's like, hey, you can kill the Jews. We're not going to allow them to fight back. They just all have to die. But now it's, you can go and do it if you want to, but if you try and they overpower you and they win the fight, uh, they get to kill you. There's not going to be any judge or jury or executioner. They just get to kill you. And they get to kill anything else related to you, your employees, your family, and they get to take all your stuff That's going to have a very chilling effect on the original edict. I imagine the king, when he read this, when Mordecai brought it to him, he's like, you're a smart guy. You're a smart guy, Mordecai, because this is going to diminish the number of people that are going to be in the raiding parties against the Jews to almost nothing. Again, you have to have an intense an overriding hatred of the Jews, or you just have to have nothing else going on. Like you have to be dirt poor and destitute and you don't care about taking your own life into your own hands, you know, because, Hey, if we win, I can have all their stuff. And if I lose, I'm dead anyway. So who cares? I mean, you have to be either at the very bottom of the barrel of life or you have to have an intense, intense hatred of the Jews to want to partake in this anymore. Mm -hmm. And imagine King Xerxes is thinking to himself, we can't repeal the first law, but he's thinking, Mordecai, you came up with absolutely the next best option to repealing. And since we can't do that, this was brilliant. And I think we're going to see as, as the rest of this book plays out, I think the king is impressed with Mordecai's intelligence, his cunning, his, his skill at this. I mean, Mordecai is a, a very, I think, a brilliant ruler. I think he's a, a brilliant leader in this way. Verse 13. A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers riding the royal horses went out, spurred on by the king's command, and the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. So this thing starts to go out. It's going to be distributed everywhere. And, and I, I like what this says, is that the, the, an irrevocable law is put in place that the Jews are allowed to avenge themselves on their enemies. What I wonder... And so we don't have the exact text of the law. We have kind of the 10,000-foot view of this. Is they're able to assemble on this day? Does this include, and this is a question that I have for this, and I'm not clear on this, but does this include people who have already been persecuting the Jews? Because I imagine, right, that the, the Haman sends out this edict. It says, on this day, months and months from now, you're allowed to kill every single Jew, wipe them out completely. Not allowed to, you you are required to. We're going to pay to annihilate the Jewish race. And so on this day, many, many months from now, all of them have to die. In the meantime, carry on, business as usual. We're saving this for this day. In the real world, Right, I don't think that all of the people that are going to partake in the killing of the Jews. I don't think they're just going about their business, interacting with Jewish merchants. Right, if you're if you bankers, a Jew, if you're you know if your baker is a Jew, you know if your cobbler is a Jew, whatever else you know the the guy that's selling you groceries if he's a Jewish guy. I don't think you're just like, oh, business as usual. Oh, Hey, you know, Shmuley, how's it going? I don't think that's how people are going to be interacting in those intervening months. I think there's going to be an ever-increasing hostility. I think people are going to really start to, the people who are planning on taking part in this are really starting to lean into this. I imagine that if all over the Persian kingdom, there's shopkeepers that are are getting beaten up on their way home right? I imagine, you know, an old movie, you know, scene from, you know, 1800s New York where there's high buildings and these dark alleys and tenements and, you know, guy walking by himself, getting jumped by, you know, 10 people and beaten up and his money stolen. I imagine there's a lot of hostility that has been growing because that's human nature, right? You're saying you have license to hate them and to kill them on this day that's coming up. I don't think that people are just going to just treat them well for those months and then on that day kill them. I think things are beginning worse and worse. And so I'm not clear on this. I don't know that the scripture makes it clear, but it does hint. It To me, it hints that this is not just... The Jews are coming after the people that are coming after them on this day. This is the Jews have been given the authority to go after the people that have been persecuting them for all of these months. For this, this whole year, the people that have been persecuting them, they have the right to go to them. Now, I, 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 I think that I, I might be right about this because of what we're going to read at the end of this chapter Um, things are going to dramatically change and I don't know that what's going to happen here in our next passage makes any sense unless this is what Mordecai is allowing in this edict is, is not only to fight against the people that are coming after them, but to fight against the people who have been persecuting them all of this time. And those are two very different things, right? One is defend yourself and go after the people that are attacking you. Another is defend yourself and go after the people attacking you. And you can go after the people who have been persecuting you all of this time, all of these months. Two very different things. But again, I think what we're going to read tomorrow will make sense of of that theory. I'll say it's, it's a theory that I have, but I think it's a, a good one based on how all of this is going to play out. With that, we'll save that for tomorrow. For today, that's all I've got. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, for the 10-Week Bible Study, and I can't wait to see you next time.